address this and when we're going to forget about it. With the topic of um, God's presence and uh, the tangible, like, manifest presence of the Lord or the abiding presence of the Lord where it might not be as tangible, um, it can cause, like, I've, what I've noticed is that it can cause people to be confused sometimes or feel maybe if you haven't experienced something of the Lord that someone else has, it can do this weird um, comparison thing where people can feel like, oh, they've experienced that and I haven't experienced this. And, they can, and it can make people feel like inferior um, than someone else. And just the first thing I want to do before I even talk about what I want to talk about is I want to break that off because that's just not cool that people would feel inferior to other people because they haven't experienced something of God that someone else has. And um, Janine was doing the talk two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago. And it was on, um, I think it was identity, yeah. identity. And, and one of the things we said was there's no, what was it? There's no threes. Like when you're talking with someone and then you're having a chat and then, but then you feel like someone's talking about something that they experienced with God and they're automatically sizing you up to make you feel like, like you're less than, than them, I guess. And you feel like a three out of 10 instead of what Jesus says is you're a 10 out of 10. And so that was our joke. We said like, there's no threes in the kingdom and there's definitely no, no threes in the kingdom. Um, so I want to just read um, a, a passage from the Bible. Um, that will hopefully just cement that, that whatever you've experienced of Jesus is incredible and it's incredibly valuable that he's shown that to you and that's to be stewarded and to be looked after because that's part of his heart that he's revealed to you and that's not for you, uh, for anyone to compare or think less of or anything like that. What you've got is something incredible. And, um, and th then the, the amazing thing about Jesus is that when other people honor and um, give in humility, give credit and, and honor God's work in your life, then they can actually receive and be the beneficiary of that element of the nature of God. So then the comparison thing gets flipped on its head. And what we can do is as the body, build one another up and encourage one another with our testimonies because then that's a platform for you to encounter another part of God's heart. So there's no threes in the kingdom. Let's get rid of the threes. <laughs> It's all by grace. By the way, a little side note I wanted to throw in for free. Um, all you're going to do is believe. If anyone tells you that there's anything else to add to the gospel, not true in the slightest. Seriously, it's believe. Jesus said, what do you have to do to do the work of God? What do we have to do to do the work of God? They, they, they were asking him, what do we do to do the works of the God? And he just said, Believe the one he has sent. So all you've got to do is believe. The book of Galatians is all about that. It's we're saved by faith through grace. So if you add anything to that, grace becomes void. You miss out on the promise. And there's that famous quote, and it says that faith, uh, we're saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. So some people say, oh, well, you've got to bear fruit. Well, no, the point is, if you have faith in Jesus, you're naturally going to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. But it's seriously just faith that saves you and it's faith that keeps you saved and you never ever get saved by your works. You never ever get more saved by what you do on your works. It's always purely faith so it can always purely be the promise of God. That in itself should break off any comparison stuff. So let me just read this parable and this is talking, I believe Jesus is primarily talking about 
salvation. He's talking about um, us um, experiencing the grace of God and what that looks like in a community. But I also want us to be thinking about this in terms of this is what um, it looks like for someone to receive receive maybe the presence of the Lord and receive and have an encounter with Jesus in a in a, a in a real tangible way. So um, Matthew 20 verses 1 and it's through for a while. <laughs> and so Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. So there's a dude, he's hiring people for a vineyard. He goes out at different intervals throughout the day. Some people are hired earlier than others. Some people come to the party later. Um, that was my summary so far. Verse 6, that was not in my Bible. <laughs> Verse 6, at 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why, have, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner, those people worked only one hour and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker and the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then and those who are first will be last. So for me, when I'm reading that, I'm seeing that there's, there's people who have been given, given different um, giftings and callings in the body of Christ and, and there's people um, in terms of maybe God's presence some people experience it straight away and then you can and it could be this thing where you, you get this big head and you think man I've got it down and no one else has got it and everything like that but for me the point of that story Jesus is talking about eternal salvation but I think he's also talking about what is the gift of salvation and the gift of salvation is Jesus himself so the one denarius they all got paid, that is Jesus himself. And so whether he gives you it at the start of the day or at the end of the day, he can't divide himself up. It's always going to be the same thing. So just because you've been walking with the Lord for longer, just because you've done more work for him, just because you've experienced more encounters, whatever it is, whenever you come to the party, you get the same gift. And the gift is Jesus' presence. The gift is him living inside of your heart. And now what we're going to do, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to us, is we're going on a journey about how each one of us has received the gift of his presence into our heart and how we're going to become aware of his manifest presence. So that's really the goal of the whole thing is becoming aware of what you've already been given. Um, 
because when you try and um you try and get something that you've already been given you get really really frustrated <laughs> you're like give it to me and god's like i did <laughs> and you're like mm, <laughs> trying really hard and he's like okay i'm going to teach you the art of becoming aware of what i've deposited in your heart from the foundation of the world and that is before the foundation of the world i chose you so your father before the earth was even laid he said i choose you what did he choose you for he chose you to give you the denarius what's the denarius it's jesus and he's the kindest most loving most gentle, most peaceable, freeing person you could ever imagine in your entire life. There's no one who can compare to our precious Jesus and his presence is him and he is his presence. So there's no separation between Jesus and his presence. It's a tangible, real person. Cool. So that sound good. That's what we're going to get into. That's sort of the foundation. No comparison. There's no threes in the kingdom. We're all equal. We're all given the same gift. <laughs> we all get a denarius. And you can be frustrated about it or you can be happy about it. The choice is really yours, but it's a really, really good gift once you have eyes to see it. Okay. What next? The cool thing as well is if, so if someone's experienced something of God before you have, there's a thing called honor in the kingdom of God. When you honor and you let your heart be soft and tender and you say, Lord, that is so cool what you're doing in their life. Or even you're in a worship setting and someone's getting wrecked by God on the floor and they're like rolling around laughing or whatever. If you, you can either go, oh, that's weird. Or you can go, cool, that's sick. That subtle difference makes the world of difference to his anointing in a room. Because what it means is you're not just honoring, you're not honoring the person, you're honoring what God's doing. Now, in the kingdom of God, we've got a principle that what you honor, that it, what you honor gets added to you. So if you honor a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you honor the anointing, you receive the anointing as your reward. If you honor what God's doing in someone else's life, then you receive that as an inheritance. So honor is the currency exchange man. Honor is how you receive the gift that God's trying to transfer to you. So you can either hide your heart and say, why doesn't God touch me that like, oh, like it's weird or whatever. But you go, no, hang on a minute. That person's having the time of their life with Jesus. Lord, that's amazing you're doing that. As soon as you honor that, you disarm every form of offense in your heart and you say, I'll receive that gift for myself. Thank you, Father. You would be mind blown the amount of times that you can get um, encounter a new side of the face of Jesus that you've never seen before through honor. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. It's, it's hidden in, in this room. Every element of the face of the Lord is hidden in this room and everyone carries a different element of the face of the Lord. So honor will open that up. Okay, the first thing that I wanna talk about in regard to the presence of the Lord is maybe I might just sort of clarify what a few of the different things you can experience are, but I never ever wanna make this a comp, I don't, I was a bit tentative whether to share this or not, but the way that God, I know that he has revealed himself, so you know it's like safe territory if you're encountering this part of his face. But the thing is, I'm a bit tentative because I don't want to put God in a box and say he has to reveal himself in this way. I mean, he can reveal himself in a still small voice, a little whisper. He can reveal himself in a little unction in your heart. It could be um, peace that just surpasses your understanding. That means you can't understand how much peace you're feeling. 
so that will make you like a bit weird because like you'll just be so free because your mind's finally out of the way and you're just experiencing his peace in its fullness the peace that surpasses understanding philippians 4 um talks about talks about that um you can experience joy laughter his overwhelming love melting your heart uh, i'll never forget that uh, one of like the t- the first time that god's love I was just, I was worshiping and I, I just first met Jesus and his love just like washed over me. And I've never felt love like that in my entire life. It melted my entire being. It felt like waves and waves of this liquid honey-like love just flowing over and over me. And I've, I've never experienced a love like that. And I remember laughing on the floor, not because anything was funny, but because I'd never, I'd never felt like I'd been loved properly like that in that way. I mean, you can experience feeling drunk in Holy Spirit. Like it, it's, it says in the Bible, don't get drunk with wine for that leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's a contrast. Going, God's going, okay, the wine of this world points to a reality that's far less than the reality that's in my kingdom. The reality that's in his kingdom is this blissful state where you're so just free that you just don't even care what's going on anymore. And this drunken state actually produces a soberness in you where you can actually uh, understand new elements of God's face and God's nature. I mean, in his presence, there's miracles, signs, wonders, visions, gifts, angelic visitations, unexplainable things that you just don't even know about. You can be taken in trances, whatever. I mean, if this is question, if like, I don't, I never ever think of myself as charismatic either. I just think of myself as a friend of Jesus and he happens to be really out of the box. <laughs> so like, and, and seriously, people who, uh, it's the most biblical thing. All of those things that I just named in that list, it's all through the Bible. It's all through Acts. It's all through the Gospels. It's all through the epistles. It even says in Galatians that, that um, miracles are, are coming as, a, as an overflow of his grace and as a gift of his grace. So, Everything, in, everything in, in, in relation to his presence reveals a side of his face. But his face is also synonymous with his word. And so whatever the word reveals, it's part of his face as well. And it's a different side of the same coin. So there's no separation between the spirit and the word. The spirit and the word are one. And you can encounter God through his word or you can encounter God through his Holy Spirit. But it's, it's all the same. It's just a different element of his nature and his face. Okay, so there are just a few of the different things that we're talking about when we talk about manifest presence like and 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 this is what i want to talk about in this section is god like show me your glory like what does it look like for god to show you his glory well i don't want to limit it limit it to that list and i don't want to say it has to be that list either because his list his manifestation of himself could be that there is no manifestation you learn this thing called abiding faith and this thing called abiding presence where you actually learn more about your relationship with the Lord through resting in the fact that you're living by faith and he's still there and he's still your friend. That's probably one of my favorite things about Jesus is that like whether you feel him, encounter him or not, he's your friend and he's still there because it is all a gift of grace and it is all a gift of his love. And yeah, so don't ever think just because you're not encountering these crazy phenomena and these crazy things that you're missing out. 
these times when God pulls himself back, sometimes he's revealing himself in mighty waves and he's splitting oceans and, and he's splitting seas and, and he's making water come out of the rock and you're feeling the love and the bliss and the peace. That is, I would never ever say, don't have that in your life. If, if, if that's like that, that is available and that's amazing. But then also on the flip side, the times when you're just sitting there with him and there's nothing over the top going on are the times that I've had the most peaceful, loving encounters with Jesus and times with Jesus, knowing that he's just my friend. And I'm just believing that he's here with me by faith because he's my buddy. And we, we do things together. We go surfing together and we, we read the Bible together and we read books together and we, we sit and drink tea together and, we do all these things together and, it, and it's, there's no separation between the overwhelming outward expression of God's glory or the inner quiet abiding that he lives inside my heart. And that's enough for me. So the thing about the glory of God and his manifest presence, when Moses, Mo, Moses is probably the most clear example of this, when he says, and also David also says, Lord, like, show me your face, show me your glory. But Moses also says this, he says, show me your glory. Now that implies something massive. They are both into something that's going, Lord, show me your glory. <laughs> so he's going, you're here already. The Lord is already present in our midst. The Bible says when two or more gather, I will be there. Colossians says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. So Jesus has already taken up residence in your heart when you believe in him and you believe that he rose from the dead. And he's already in our midst when we're all sitting here together. But there's this element where we know that he's here and then the cry of our heart is show me your glory. So we have to position our heart in a way that says, Lord, reveal to me what you've already given me. Lord, reveal to us what, where you already are. And he loves it so much when you notice where he is in the room. He loves it so much when you notice what he's already doing. Because then you're seeing things that are unseen and then that becomes the faith point. And then his presence can become manifest to us. So Lord, show me your glory is an implication that he already is abiding in the room. But it's also, it's also saying something else, that the Lord is already present before you've even asked that. And that means something pivotal. That means that the Lord is the initiator. That means that he chose you before you ever chose him. And that means before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain. And before the foundation of the world, the Lord chose you. So he is the initiator of every part of your journey into the presence of him. He's the one who's reaching out He's the one who's calling you. He's the one who's drawing you. He's the one who's holding you by your hand to lead you into this place of open meadows, this place of running water, this place, it's wide open and, and, and his glory flows over you like, like the, the dew off Aaron's beard. He's the one who's initiating all of this because he's your father and he loves you. So once you know that, the pressure is off in your striving to get into God's presence because you know that the Lord was striving for you to get into his presence before you did anything. <laughs> the pressure's off for you to try and get somewhere. You're trying to realize where Jesus has already positioned himself in, above, and all around you.
the false type of striving will actually keep you out of God's presence. When you're trying to stir yourself up in hunger, you're trying to stir yourself up in striving, what you're saying is, I'm nervous that you're not here, Jesus, so I'm going to do all this spiritual stuff to try and get you to come because I'm unsure of the truth that you're already here. That's unbelief, and that's the opposite of faith. Whereas faith is saying, Jesus, I know you already live inside of me. I know you're already in this room. Father, show me your presence. Show me your face. Show me your glory. So there's a healthy striving to see the face of the Lord out of the place of knowing he's already abiding in your midst, in your heart, and all above you. Does that make sense? Yep. So we need to clarify this because some people understand that, but they use the language of hunger and everything. And then people go, oh, I've got to hunger and I've got to strive and I've got to do all this stuff. <laughs> and it can frustrate people with pure hearts to try and get somewhere that they already are. And that's one of the best things that the Lord ever said to me. He said, stop trying to get somewhere that you already are. That's the devil's main attack. He tries to get you to fight to be somewhere that Jesus has already positioned you. Jesus took you out of hell. He placed you in heavenly places, seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Lord's saying, now I'm going to open your eyes to see what you already possess. Oh my gosh, so much glory on that. <laughs> so that he's opening our eyes to show us what he already has given us. <laughs> so what, what's great about that is that there is no striving to get somewhere because he's placed you somewhere. There's a striving for your eyes to be opened though. That's fine. That's totally fine. That's totally normal. And that's totally right. But it's a shifting and the Lord's saying, I'm giving you a new thought right now. And, and if everyone, I don't know how you want to receive, but if you want to close your eyes or whatever, I just feel like I just want to speak the words of your father over you um, just before we get back into the main thing. But I've, I, the, I feel the Lord has spoken to me about this. And, and he says that I never, ever do anything in my, in my kingdom in my church and in this community outside of connection. Connection is always your starting place, that you're in me and I'm in you, that there's no separation between us, that I'm the vine and you're the branches. So every single thing that I tell you to do has a starting place from connection. That means that by my grace, I joined you both together in my love. So there's actually nothing that you could do to separate yourself from my love and there's nothing you could do to make me give you any more of my love. My love is a constant because I'm a constant. And the Lord says, I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. What that means is my love is the beginning and the end for you. It's the end of all striving. It's the end of all works and it's the end of all religion. You are totally, utterly, wrapped in my love all the days of your life because I say so and what I say goes. So beloved, there's nothing you could do to take yourself out of this place of my love. I start things from connection and I finish things from connection. I've joined you to my spirit and I'm showing you how joined you are to my spirit. There's nothing you could do in your religious piety to try and get into this connection. It's purely a gift of my grace. Pure grace, undeserved kindness, and that's my smile for you. And my kindness for you is unrelenting. My smile for you does not change because I've never changed and I never will change. So when you come to me, you know exactly what you're getting. You're getting my beaming smile and my pleasure over you because I crushed Jesus so then I could be pleased with you. 
and I've placed you in Jesus and I'm pretty happy with him. So that means I'm pretty happy with you. I actually really like Jesus. So I've put you in him. So that means now in Christ, I can really like you. So there's no part of you that I don't like. There's no part of you that I'm angry at. There's no part of you I'm displeased at. Because when I look at you, I see a union where you've been knitted together in Christ. So now take all that pressure off. You don't need that anymore. That's not what you're created for. And that's not who you are. You're in my love and you're in my freedom. So just enjoy learning how connected to my presence you are. Enjoy learning this gift of grace that I've given you. And I'm taking you out of those places you thought you were bound in. And I'm showing you how much of an open field I have for you. Wide open plains. Wide open field. Where there's no pressure. There's no burden anymore. Because I've carried it for you. Amen. Amen. Cool. So, connection's our starting point. Always. The last thing I want to say about this. So we're becoming aware of what we already possess. The, the last thing I want to say about this is that that doesn't mean... It, but everyone's getting... I think we've got the gist. Like this doesn't mean that, there's, that, that we plateau. This means we're going, how much more is there? If God's infinite and eternal, there's so much more to explore. There's so much more to find. But it takes all the pressure off the finding. <laughs> it takes all the religion out of the finding. And it, and, it, and it places you in a place of relationship. The Lord also has this weird thing about him that he speaks a totally different language to us. Sorry. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Say no. All right. So the, the Lord is, um, he speaks a different language to us. What I mean by that is he totally speaks your language. But he also is just on his own little wavelength. Like he's just in this realm called grace. He lives inside the new covenant and he lives inside this realm called heaven. And when you go to heaven, it's completely different down here to down here. In heaven, you get stuff before you do anything. <laughs> in heaven, you're free before you've even strived to work your way into that place. In heaven, there's just bliss everywhere you turn and there's this abiding honor that every single person there has for you and a value that they all have for you so you don't even need to be tangibly with jesus in heaven to know that he's there because his heart is present in his people up there what we need to learn to do while we're on this earth is tune our frequency tune our mind and have our mind renewed to tune into the wavelength and the and the radio signal of heaven the way I like to explain it is if we're trying to listen to Nova 969, I don't know whether that's your jam. Maybe mix one, uh, what is it? Um, oh yeah, um, or um, what, are, what do we all listen to, young people? One oh, oh, okay, I was going to say 105.7. Yeah, the Triple J crew. Yeah, Triple J. <laughs> all right, all right. So if we want to listen to Triple J, but we're tuned on to Nova 969, right? You're not going to pick up Triple J. Simples. Makes sense, right? If we're trying to tune into Jesus' presence, but we're on Nova 969, we're not going to get Jesus' presence. Now, sometimes he might come and blast you, but normally I found he just hides things and he, just, he wants you to think in terms of grace and relationship. And he, he will hide things from people's striving 
you'll just hide it from your striving. And so you can't try, tune onto religio religiosity channel and, and then get, somehow get to his presence. And then when you realize that his presence was there all along, you go, he was all there all along. It just was on the wrong frequency. I didn't have the right uh, uh, heart posture, I guess, is the way to say it. So it's all about learning to have that heart posture <laughs> that's going to host the anointing. And the Lord's looking to and fro across the world to look at who's going to host his presence, who's going to look after his presence, and who's not going to abuse his presence because his presence is Jesus and Jesus is his presence. And he really likes Jesus. So we're going to look after his presence and not think it's this weird spiritual thing. It's him. You just can't see him. It, it's the best thing. In the, it, it's him, but you can't see him. It's, it's, it's essence. It's the essence of Jesus' person. It's his spirit. It's his nature. It's a spirit of truth. It's a spirit of freedom. And wherever he is, he changes the climate to make it free. So we're learning and we're on this journey to posture our heart in a way to tune into the radio wave of heaven. Tune into that frequency. Once you're on that frequency, don't let anyone take you off it. Jesus said to the Pharisees over and over again, to the people over and over again, he was like, beware of the leaven of Herod, which is the political system where everyone's worried about who's right and who's wrong, da, 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 da. And beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Why? Because he knew that that would take them out of his teachings on the realm of the kingdom of God, on the realm of grace and the realm of his presence. So he taught all these parables, but in between he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, beware of the leaven of Herod. And the Pharisees is the religious system based on works and based on your performance that you have to earn your way to get to God when God's going, it's all for free, just ask me. So that's really important that we're on this radio wave. Oh, I forgot to say at the very start, sometimes as well, I can be very practical teaching, but when I teach on something like this, this is my favorite thing in the entire world. And so I, it sounds a bit like, like conceptual maybe, but it's totally not. It's, but the thing I wanted to say at the start was some things in the kingdom of God are caught and they're not taught. Because your mind can only take you to a plateau. From then on, it's your heart. So your mind will get you there, but your heart, endless. And that's one of the, I'm going, to, I'm going to skip to this, but that's where our spirit man comes in because our body is, is united. It's, it's your spirit, it's your soul, and it's your body. And I think they're more united than sometimes we divide them up to be, but they are in essence separate. They're three in one or one in three. They're, they're like that. And, and our spirit man, which is, I, I, I like to think of as my heart, my heart and your heart and your spirit, it reaches to the highest heavens. The Lord showed me at one time, he said, your spirit, your little body is little down here, but your spirit is actually, you, you know, like it's huge. It's enormous, enormous. It's enormous. Your spirit man is enormous. It literally reaches from the earth to the heaven. It's massive. It rends the heavens right where Jesus rend the heavens. You just go and you're right there at the father's right hand in Jesus. Your spirit is massive. And what the point of that is, is your spirit will take you places to the heart of God that your head will never, ever get you. Yeah. Head will get you to hear, knowledge, revelation, doctrine, facts, theology, all of that stuff will get you somewhere. Most importantly, the renewing of your mind will get you somewhere. But the renewing of your mind is to position yourself in a place where you live out of your spirit and not out of your soul. Now, if we live out of our spirit, the possibilities are endless because he who's joined to the Lord has become one spirit with him. What that means is that when you live out of your spirit, 
that you're united with Jesus, you're one with him in spirit. That means that your actions, behavior, access to the miraculous lifestyle of signs, wonders and miracles, all of that stuff just goes, becomes endless. It literally never ends when you're living out of your spirit, man. The realms of freedom, the realms of his mercy and his peace and his grace and his loving kindness to you and to everyone around you are endless when you're living out of your heart and not out of your head. How do we get to living out of our heart? That's a really good question to ask Jesus. And um, there's things that um, I can share about, but remembering that what I share is my, it's my journey with the Lord. It's my heart with the Lord and you can catch it. Some things are caught and not taught, so you can catch it in your heart, right? But every great teacher that I've listened to, they've caught, I've caught something in my heart, but then I go, I want to find that out for my, me and Jesus' sake. I want to find that out for our relationship. I want, to, I want to find out what makes his heart tick. And I want to find out what makes my heart tick. And I want to learn this in the context of relationship. So some things are caught and not taught. Some things that like your head um, can get practical steps to a point but sometimes you just need to catch something in your heart and be like, yeah, I just want that. And I just want relationship. I'd want depth of intimacy. I want depth of presence, whatever it is, Lord, and, and ask him. And he, he is an incredible answer of questions when it suits him. Um, <laughs> so ask him lots of questions and ask him the right questions. And if he doesn't answer your questions, say, why aren't you ask, answering my questions? He goes, because I already asked, I already told you to do this and this and this. And you go, oh, and then you get to hear him. But that bridges the gap in sometimes when God isn't speaking to us as clearly as we want. So in this journey of living out of our spirit and living out of our heart, we need to do this thing called finding our own flame. We need to find what is the thing that the Lord has been speaking to you before you were even born, before you were a little tacker. And what has he been speaking to you about? It's your own personal relationship with Jesus and he wants to encounter you and he wants you to experience him in your own unique way. Then you get to bring that to the table. We get to share it. And if I honor the gift in your life that you bring, that, that, that you carry with Jesus, then I get to receive that and maybe even a double portion of that. So we all get to figure something out with Jesus. We get to find our own flame, find what he's been speaking to us to obey. This is key because obedience is better than sacrifice. If you obey from your heart what the Lord's speaking to you, it is so much more powerful, effective, and incredible than if you just do routine religious sacrifices. It's all about personal connection of listening to what the Spirit of the Lord has been saying to you, is saying to you, and it will normally be the one thing that you probably never thought yourself highly about. It will be the one thing that you never thought that you could do. It will be the one thing that challenges the way you think that you are. And listening to that little voice and just saying, Lord, take me on this journey, learning how to abide in your presence, learning how to walk with you in the cool of the day. Well, that is the journey that will change everything because all the information from your head just gets dropped into your heart and you start walking in the spirit every day of your life. So I can tell you, my, I'm going to tell you actually my story and that will spark t- like a bit of desire and everything like that. But it's about you finding your own flame, finding the things that the Lord is speaking you to do out of obedience 
and out of a heart of love and relationship so then you can access more uh, deeper parts of his heart and his presence that he's already given to you. Okay, so a bit, uh, I'm gonna, a bit about my story with this and then I'll read some, some of the scriptures that I wanted to get to the whole time. Um, my family line has been like massive strivers for like way back. And they, they always just had to claw and get something and grab at it. And just, they had to attain success and attain wealth and favor or whatever it is by getting it in their own strength. And there's always just been this underlying thing in me and my family line just of this unrest and this dis-ease at just sitting still and just resting and having something given to you freely. Funny about that, because then the Lord started to speak to me about how I need to rest and abide. <laughs> the one thing that had been my family's track record, and, and it was the one thing that we struggled with the most, and the one thing that I struggled with the most was just resting and relaxing and being myself and letting the Holy Spirit just flow and just be with me was the one thing that was um, stopping me from entering into a greater measure of the Lord's presence and to this abiding, into this sweet spot where you're living in his presence every day. And if he takes it back and pulls it back, you just know he's still there, but he just wants to grow different parts of your heart. But the, the access point to this depth of relationship in his presence was actually found in the area that I didn't, I least expected it. So the Lord started speaking to me through um, the story of Jacob in Genesis. And, and Jacob's incredible because Jacob's story is he strived and he struggled and he strained and then he was conniving and he stole his brother's birthright. He stole the blessing of his father and his inheritance out of this place of this orphan heart of stealing and striving. Now, there's actually something that could be good said about that, but like, the way I viewed it in my, it was that, was that just that. And, and it was this, this Jacob guy just didn't know how to rest basically. And so the Lord spoke to me through this passage and he'd been speaking to me to rest for about a year and just, and rest, rest doesn't mean sleeping. Rest means an inner peace where you stop striving, where striving cease, like the old hymn says, where striving cease is where Christ is found. When you finally lay down is where you finally are raised up again. When you die, then you live. When you rest, then you abide in Christ. And then you bear so much more fruit than all of your striving combined. So resting is this posture of your heart to say, I'm not striving for something that Jesus has given me freely. When you put your heart in that place, it opens it up to inheritance. And what that means is then the Lord can give you stuff without you feeling like you had to get it. That's your father simply saying, you're my son and I love you and I'm going to bless you with this. In my case, it was blessing me with these encounters in his presence where he'd take me to the depths of his peace. Where I was just so, he'd take me to the depths of his bliss. He'd take me to the depths of his love. And it was just this overflow of the heart of God for me that I never ever would have accessed unless I listened to his still small voice just saying, just rest. Now that looked like me physically laying down when everyone else is jumping up around and going crazy in worship. And it was so, so hard and I struggled to do it for a long time. Finally, when I did it and I just laid down, 
it was just like the floodgates opened and then the Lord's like, this is what I've been waiting for you to do. I've been waiting for you to stop so then I can flow in. I've been waiting for you to let go of your heart and rest and abide in me so that I can flow my love and my goodness in free of charge. So that was my journey of finding my own flame. Um, it took, uh, took a fair while, but it was this still small voice and it's so much more powerful than religious, doing something in religious repetition. I could have sung and danced and everything like that and that's all incredible, but the Lord wasn't speaking to me to do that. He was speaking to me to lay down and I couldn't do it. <laughs> Finally, he took me to Genesis 28. So if you guys want to read along. And this is the resting place. And this is everything that I've been talking about up until this point. And so Genesis 28, starting from verse 10. It says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Bathsheba and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down for sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you and I'm giving it to your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and all the families on the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, this is the best part, what's more, I am with you. God is with Jacob. That's all you will ever need, that your perfect father would be with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. One day I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything that I've promised you. And that's the Lord's promise to each one of us right now. He's not leaving you until he has finished giving you everything he's promised you. The Lord will not leave you. Get that. He's not going anywhere until he's finished giving you everything he's promised you so you are doomed to inherit the promises of god <laughs> whether you like it or not he seems very intent on fulfilling all of his promises just for you anyways then jacob awoke from his sleep this is this is what i've been talking about and he said surely the lord is in this place and i wasn't even aware of it Surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it after he awoke from his sleep. Once he ceased from his strivings, once he stopped trying to get it on his own effort and his own works, that is when he entered into the resting place. And that is the perfect place for the Lord to reveal himself because it can be given as a free gift of his love to you. He was also afraid, which is normal, because sometimes God is just, he's massive and he's, he's, he's out of the box and it can be a bit scary, but he's safe place and he loves each and every one of us so much. He was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he'd rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, 
which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return um, safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I've set up will become a, a place for worshiping God. And I'll present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So in this story, we, we're seeing that Jacob was a striver from the get-go, like me. And the Lord gave me this story and he said, Nick, when you rest, that is when you're going to become aware of the God who's already in that place. When you lay your head down and you let your heart go and you let the spirit minister to your heart, that is when you're going to find me. It's the resting place that we find the Lord. It's the place of grace that we find the Lord. And then we awake from our sleep and we're like, well, my gosh, God was here the whole time and I didn't even know it. <laughs> and we can say like, whatever, it's an awesome place because God's there. So that was my own personal journey with it. It was a struggle and I got, I, 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 I've read this and I went, Oh my gosh, and then the Lord, he, He's so humble and gentle and meek with us on our journey. And He's patient with us, even when we don't get it over and over and over again. He just reminds us faithfully day after day, Hey Nick, just rest. Hey Nick, just open up your heart, let go. You don't have to strive to get anywhere. Just become aware of what, where I already am, where I already am hiding myself. Okay, the other thing I want to read. How are we going for time? How much longer? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just want to read another passage that is similar along these lines. <clears throat> and it comes from uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, if you want to read it. Yeah. And it says God's promise of entering his rest still stands. It's still there. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. So be scared and tremble with fear that you're not going to enter this place of abiding. <laughs> like just, you know, I just got to, I got to work really hard to not do anything. Like I'm just going to try really hard to not do anything. <laughs> And sometimes it feels like that. I'm like, I'm going to try really hard not to do anything. But that, that's the sweet spot. When, when we can rest and let our heart go and open up, up to Jesus. That's where he manifests his presence to us. Um, so that God has prepared for this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter the, his rest. As for the others, God said, In my anger I took an oath, they shall never enter my rest, even though this rest was all, has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day God rested from all his work, but in the other passage God said, They will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Remember what I was saying? Obedience from your heart, not root, uh, routine religious ritual. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. Woohoo! 
God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did from creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. We will actually fall if we don't rest. <laughs> For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God, and everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. I just want to draw our attention to the relationship between this resting place and abiding in relationship with Christ and not working for it, and also the Word of God, because the Word of God is our resting point. Rest in and of itself, and that is not striving, will only get us so far, but resting in God's Word, as it, like at the end of the passage, it switches and it talks about the Word of God, that, that is the place where we know we can rest in His promises. And his promises are the things that keep us alive and we can live from his promises day by day. We can keep ourselves in that place of rest through his word, through his face and through his voice. So it's resting in his presence, it's resting in his word and his face. It's not just rest in and of itself, I guess. Okay. Uh, 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 okay. I just want to touch on, um, okay. So that was basically a lot of my own journey and that was my journey to the presence of the Lord and after, and, and through that I've experienced more of God than I ever thought possible. And so for each one of us, it's about finding that flame, finding our own flame and listening to what the spirit of the Lord's saying for you to do. Now, when we, when we, when we're not hearing anything feeling anything being led with anything like then our starting place is always worship aside from that i always want to be obedient to the voice of the lord so in a context where we're all worshiping together as a group i would always and i i, I we should always be listening to what god is saying for us to do to worship him in spirit and in truth if he's telling you to be still and lay down, do that. If he's telling you to dance and sing and jump around and go crazy, do that. If he's telling you to shout and, and bang the drums, do that. If he's telling you to dance, have I said dancing? Um, yeah, dance, then dance again. If he's telling you to dance twice, dance twice. <laughs> if Whatever he's saying for you to do, just just roll with it. And and. And you'll find that there, there'll be a, a release and, an, a, and, and a, a release in and, and a greater awareness of God's presence in the room. And there'll be a release of anointing in the room and it will, and it will multiply and it will, mag, and it will be magnified. So when we're obedient to his voice, that's, that's when the real breakthrough in his spirit comes. If you aren't hearing or feel, feeling led to do anything that in a, in a, in a, in a setting of worship, honor what God is doing through some, in someone else. So when some, God's moving with someone else, they're doing something and you're like, that's a bit out of the box, but 
like I'm not talking be weird, but like, you know, I'm talking, it will probably be a bit weird, you know, but when God's doing something, honor it and say, God, yes, you're moving. Amen. Keep your heart in that healthy place. You've got two choices. Honor what God's doing. Honor the anointing or shut your heart off to it and become offended. So if you don't know what to do, honor God's anointing. The other thing we can do is posture our heart in a place of worship. Now, opening up our mouth and uttering praise to Jesus for what he's done for us, that spirit man that I was talking about before, what that does is that raises the, the head of our heart to look up to see our Father in heaven. So we can't see it. It's in the unseen realm. But when you exalt the Lord and you put thanksgiving and praise on your lips, what happens is your spirit man turns his eyes upward to see the face of the Father in heaven. 2 Corinthians 4.18 talks about this. And it says, if you want to read it or write that down, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's talking about like a light of momentary afflictions in this life, but it also carries this powerful weight of truth of how to posture our heart in a place of worship throughout this life. How do you set your eyes on something that you can't see? That's what the Bible just told us to do. So then we go, okay, this is more like a heart thing now because like our head can't get that and it'll probably explode if I try and think about that too much. So then you have to go, Holy Spirit, what do you mean by that? And he goes, oh, it's easy. It's talking about the eyes of your spirit. So when you worship, your head lifts up. Lift up your head, O you gates. Be lifted up, your ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. So when you lift up praises, thanksgiving and adoration out of your mouth to the Lord, it's so much more than just mere words. It's your spirit man lifting his head up to the fa your father in heaven and gazing upon him. There is an outpouring of his spirit that comes with that. Setting our eyes on things unseen, it, it, that's like in incredible because what happens in that place is you look upon the face of your father and then you realize that what we talked about in the other weeks, that God is good and in him there's no, no darkness at all. Then you realize that he is life and the giver of life, but he's not the thief. So he doesn't kill and hurt people and destroy. He's the one who is the, the, the river of life. He's the author of life. He's flowing with an endless river of life coming out of his heart. And when you look at him and you see that he is actually good, something shifts in the whole atmosphere and your whole countenance changes and your whole whole awareness of this world actually changes and then you view everything through the filter of God's goodness and his loving kindness towards you. So when we're in a setting of like say a worship night or whatever or in your, in your room, flowing with his anointing and flowing with where his, what his Holy Spirit's saying to you, if, if that's not going on, then honoring the anointing and what he's doing in the room, that's honoring his presence around you. But you can honor his presence above you and that's through posturing your heart in a place of worship. Simply say, like, I just like, in my room sometimes, I'm just like, I'm like, praise, like, just, I love you, Jesus. I, I love you so much. And automatically, it's, it's so important to then, as you exalt him, to then become aware of how the atmosphere around you is shifting and changing. 
sometimes we forget to become aware of what's shifted and changed in the atmosphere and then you actually don't get to like experience the glory of what God's doing in that moment. So when you put his thank thanksgiving and praise on your lips, it's so important just like, and just be like, okay, what's changed? Wow, there's like a bit of peace in the room. Now, this is, this is so essential because when we acknowledge what he's done, and even if it's something really small, whatever you're thankful for will be multiplied to you. So when you're thankful for something, it gets multiplied in the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you're faithful with will be added to you. Whoever, whoever has much will be get, like, it's those parables. They've got all of the stuff, all of the talents, and then God gives them more. Whatever you're content with, like imagine if you hung out with your girlfriend or something like that, or you hung out with your friend, and then you had a, sick, a really cool time at the movies and you're hanging out and, and great date and everything like that. But you're like, it only went for like two hours or whatever. And then you're like automatically like, oh, that was all right. But like, like when we hang out next and they're just like, what? They wouldn't feel loved. They wouldn't feel like, oh, wow, they really embraced and enjoyed and were really content with my presence in that time in the movie, movie cinema. The Lord's the same. He's such a hopeless romantic. He's so loving and just kind and you can melt his heart just as much as he can melt your heart. And so when you're thankful and content, it's so much more than just saying you're thankful and content. What you're saying is what you just gave me and revealed to me about yourself is enough for me. You are totally enough. Even if it was the smallest little thing, you're enough for me, Jesus. And godliness with contentment is great game. And Paul said, whether I abound or I'm in lack, whatever it is, I'm content in all things. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's where that scripture comes from. Whether he's got lots or got little, he's thankful in his heart because he's learned that that's what touches Jesus' heart. When you experience the smallest bit of his peace, just acknowledging it and just saying, Jesus, thank you so much for that bit of peace. Whatever you're grateful for, that will ravish his heart. That will melt Jesus' heart. It will make him feel so loved and so embraced. And the thing is, once he knows it's a safe place for his spirit and his spirit's not going to be used or manipulated, he will give you more of himself. So that peace will multiply. That love and that joy and that bliss, whatever you're experiencing in his spirit, that will multiply through gratitude because you not, he knows and you know you're not going to exploit that relationship. You're going to make him feel special and feel love for whatever little thing that he gives you. So whatever you get given from the Lord, it's so important, whether it's big or small, whether it's joy or like bliss or his love washing over you, but, or maybe it's just nothing. It's the smallest little thing. Just go, thank you, Jesus, for that. I really appreciate you giving me that part of your heart. And he goes, man, you're a safe place. Have more. <laughs> And that, that, that gratitude, that keeps your place in a, your heart in a place as well. Knowing that whatever he gives you, you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You're not entitled to it. It's because he is love and he's a loving giver. And he will give and give and give until the end of the ages. So thankfulness and gratitude in praise and worship will keep your heart in such a safe place. And you won't start to think, oh, I've had these encounters with God and I've been in his presence today. And you'll be spiritually talking to other people like, I did this and did that. And God's going, I'm a person. You're hurting my feelings and you're, you're like using me to brag. <laughs> and God's, Jesus is just like, dude, just 
be thankful. And then you'll realize it was all a gift anyway. You can't boast in, in these, like Paul in, in um, 2 Corinthians was even like a bit ashamed to say about the experiences that he said, he had, sorry. In 2 Corinthians, uh, I think it's 12, he's going, un- he's like, he had this experience where the Lord took him up to the third heaven. He goes, I knew a guy. He's like, I knew a guy who went to the third heaven. He was doing it to prove a point so that the Corinthian church would actually listen to him. But he didn't really want to boast about these spiritual experiences he had with the Lord. He didn't want to say, I'm this hyper-spiritual dude. Like, if I'm friends with, like, my friends, like, whoever, I'm friends with Nath, I'm not going to boast to people and be like, hey, I'm hanging out with Nath Gillespie. And he just goes, wait, so he's just using me for notoriety and using me for popularity? Like, using me for a boasting point? Like, Nath would not feel loved by that. I, I know you. <laughs> like, he would be like, dude, we're just homies. Let's just hang out. Like, let's just be friends and chill and enjoy each other's company. But you don't need to use me like that. So the Lord's Spirit is something to be nurtured, cared for. And don't just hear testimonies or hear about churches where it's going crazy and all this stuff's happening. And then come back here and get resentful and say, oh, God's not doing much. God is doing so much here. God is moving here so powerfully in each and every one of us and in our congregation. So that heart of gratitude for what the Lord's doing, it, it, it keeps the relationship in a, healthy, in, in, a, in a healthy place where we're loving Him and He's loving us. Honestly, it does lead to increase because the Lord can't help but give Himself to people who are going to keep their heart in a place of grace. It will lead to more increase than we can ever ask or think. That, that's like the, the scripture as well, where um, Paul says um, that you would, I pray that you would have eyes to see and you would know and understand the love of God, which surpasses understanding. So like, he's going to give us more than we can handle when we keep our heart and in good soil and in that place. Um, but it's not about getting more per se, if that makes sense. It's about keeping your heart in a place where you're keeping Jesus loved. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I think I gave you all I've got to give, literally. Yep, <laughs> application. Um, how much time? It's awesome, man. Is that good? Pray for us. Pray for us, yeah. Okay, cool. We got, we go online so we can ask questions. Cool. Yeah, okay, uh, yes, yep. I know, I know, I've just set myself up for asking questions. I just set myself up. Like if I was talking about another topic, this is like how to do relationships. It would have been a lot more like A plus B equals C, like don't be a turkey. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But with... See you, dude, Ali. Yeah, but, um, but uh, obviously... No, no. Yeah, like A plus B equals C, don't be a token. But like if it's the presence of the Lord and it's like things that we talk about that are a lot more in, in the spirit and conceptual. So, but I'm totally open to um, all the questions you guys can shoot at me. I might turn old mate off. Goodbye, old mate. <laughs>